call is being recorded. All right, guys, welcome back to Big House Banter. We had another uh, successful week, just like the last eight weeks before, um, against Purdue at the Big House. We're here talking about it here with my bro. What's going on, my man? Not a whole lot. Yeah, like you said, eight weeks in a row, make it nine. Another another solid day at the office. Um, left a little bit to be desired, in my opinion, but you really you can't you can't say no to a W. Right. I mean, you know, thinking about this game, watching this game is just kind of like. Were there good things? Yes. Were there bad things? Kinda. It was just more like, you know, we. I kind of expected a little bit more of a. Just a, after the Michigan State shutout, I was expecting a shutout. So you know, being picky, where we're yes. going in the season, I was expecting a shutout, and I'm disappointed with the 13 points. Yeah, that was that was my biggest thing about the game first time we let any team score more than twice on us and when they had yep. scored twice yep. it was only um you know 10 points was the most we'd ever given up and we let up 13 today i mean it's hard to say that it was really a good score because yeah they scored three times and their their final touchdown was with i believe 18 seconds left on the clock so it's not like it really came into play at all whatsoever. But it is still a little disheartening to see that go up on the board. Um, yeah, and especially coming from a fourth game. down. It was, it was a fourth and three when they scored. Yeah. And, and my feelings watching that play, I remember it. It was just, all right, we got him. We got the quarterback sacked. And then, oh, he threw a duck up in the air. I guess we didn't sack him. Oh, he caught it. Oh, it's a touchdown. So it was yeah. It yeah. was pretty disheartening, but but again, you know, they call it garbage time for a reason because it does not matter. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the biggest and best thing about this game for me was seeing Mullings back looking healthy. I know he didn't get the fourth down, which is actually really surprising pretty much against everything I've said about him the whole podcast so far, but uh, as far as I've been searching on Google, I have not been able to find, and I haven't searched it recently, but all the weeks leading up to like, so two weeks ago and then in the last week, there was nothing clear about what was going on with Mullings. I'm just glad to have him back on the team, on the field, as the wrecking ball. He's still a wrecking ball in my mind. But, yeah, I mean, that was a little disheartening at the end of the second quarter. Uh, not getting that first down from fourth, and I think it was one. But it's good to see that we have three real threats, if not four, with, I believe, Hall um, at running back. So it's it's good. Going into going into college football playoff season, I, I really wanted to see him back before the last game. You know, I, I had no idea what the hell was going to actually go on because I couldn't find anything online. No one was saying anything about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what was up with him either, but again, um, echo your statements. Glad to have him back. I think he is he is a 
maybe not a big part of our backfield, but he definitely is a threat back there, and he is our big back right now. He's a good um, option when he's a, he's a good option when like other they're they're reading the way that Quorum is running, which they really can't. But like if they end up reading how Quorum or uh, Edwards is running, you know, it's just good to be able to like switch it up a little bit. And he's a big body to block. I I, I like him being out on the field. Yeah, and and again, like you said too, him being our big back on a fourth down, like I did not expect to not make that fourth and one I know. in the second that, quarter. You and know, I give I, I give Edwards a lot of shit about that. Just lay down your six foot plus whatever. Um, just lay down. Yeah. You got the first down, but you know every it's not going to be every time. Once or twice. Honestly, every single other time we needed a first down out of him, I don't think he's uh, disappointed. So it just sucks it happened on this game, mainly because it just kind of felt like a flat effort in general. Um, the only one that really wasn't flat was Quorum uh, with the uh, the three TDs, in my opinion, or Samaj. We'll get into that later. But, I mean, Quorum with the three touchdowns, definitely he's – it's either probably him or JJ that are one of the most consistent players on the team. One thing that the announcer said on on the broadcast though that kind of irked me a bit was, oh, uh, JJ to Roman Wilson again, his number one target. And we've talked about this every almost every single episode, if not every single episode. JJ doesn't have a number one target. Um, Wilson was his target that was best for this game. But there really is no number one. Wilson is obviously the most, like, in the playbook, he probably has the most, that's your first check. But in terms of people actually hauling the ball down and getting yards, he's not just the number one every single game. So I didn't really like that they said that. This game just kind of felt off in general. Just, I don't know. It, it's a win. It's a W. But besides that, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for Well, I, I mean, I guess, you know, by default, somebody has to be the number one, I think. And I think that's yeah. where it comes from. And, I mean, he he does have 10 touchdowns on the season, which is obviously a team high, and it might even be a league no, high it's not a team. or being no, 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 no. close to wait, it. For so. a, wait, wait, for a receiver? Because, like, Quorum has more than 10. Yeah, for a receiver, receiving okay, touchdowns. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but um, no. Again, we we talk about it all the time that no anybody can be the number one receiver. He just happens to be the number one receiver that everybody talks about. Yeah. Um, but you know, actually, I'm glad you brought up that stat about Roman Wilson having ten touchdowns because, like, yeah. I remember saying Blake Corum getting thirty touchdowns was out of the question. After I had said it one week and then the next week, I said, like, oh, yeah, I can realize how crazy that actually was for me to say. I got to tell you, bro, it's not really that crazy. He's at 16 touchdowns, and Roman Wilson mm-hmm. has 10 of those, and that's just one other player. So, on top of one other player that's not Blake Corum getting 10, all those other people that are scoring touchdowns besides Blake, he still has 16. Like, if he was just, like, the outright number one, he probably could have close to like 24 touchdowns at this point. 
I don't doubt it. If we were definitely, if we were a more heavy running team like we were last year, he would have more touchdowns than he does. And that's something that I kind of wanted to bring up too is, you know, even though Blake Corum got the three touchdowns and he knows how to put the ball in the end zone, you know, he gets a lot of, a lot of touchdowns inside the five yard line. You know, Blake Corum last game, he he had 15 carries and only 44 yards, only just under three yards a carry. That's, I mean, that's not lights out by any means. And I'm not trying to knock Blake Corum because there's nothing wrong with him. And he is our best back by far. And I trust the kid with the ball, but, but we're not exactly running the lights out right now. You know, 110 yards, I think the entire game, which maybe is a little skewed because of the fact that JJ McCarthy got sacked. What? three or four times in that game, which was kind of unusual, you know, and so those are, those are negative stats. He had minus 30 something yards rushing because of that, which again, it's great that you don't need it, but it's, it's kind of, it kind of, you know, just goes with the whole mood of the game. It was, again, you can't argue with 41 points. And what does that, what does that give us? Five, five games in a row, I think over 40 points. So, I mean, you can't, again, you can't argue with that, but it's just, it, it was a bittersweet in that way, I guess, that that we we started out the first quarter putting up 17 points. It was 17 nothing after the first quarter, and then we our bad quarter this game was the second quarter, where we actually got outscored, maybe for the first time in a quarter this season, 6-3 to three by Purdue. So it, it kind of looked like we put on cruise control a little bit early, and, you know, we touched on that. Um, fourth down with Khalil Mulling, it was kind of just, kind of just par for the course of that second quarter. It didn't didn't look all that great, and then you know second half adjustments came out, started scoring again. But um, but yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a flat effort, in my opinion, a little bit. Forty one points, it's it's tough to say that's flat, but but when we're used to seeing Michigan play lights out week in and week out, it. It, it kind of wasn't up to that standard, even though it looks good on the stat sheet. Yeah, and honestly, I, I got to say, I really don't have much more to say about this game, except um, Will Johnson, yet another player that, I mean, personally, I don't remember hearing his name actually called on the broadcast. Maybe he made plays before whatever, but he had an interception and then broke up an obvious touchdown opportunity for Purdue in the end zone. Um, It's almost getting, like, tiresome to keep repeating these things, but this is, like, literally how you win championships. So, like, it's worth bringing up. The depth. Well, I will – pardon the pun, but I will say that he did have a pick six earlier this season. So, he's definitely been on the broadcast. But, yeah, I know what you mean, though. I I know you're – I get your point. Sainer still is usually the guy. I mean, McGregor had some great plays today again, too. It's just, there's, on our defense, I I honestly don't know anyone who has a better defense than ours right now. I really don't. We're looking around the league right now. One at home against Missouri. What? Like, like what? Really? And, And, like, you just went over the box score with me. Um, they were literally never 
outside of a one score um game until probably the, like what is it the late part of the fourth late third yeah late third quarter when it was 13-24 Georgia but i, I mean, mean yeah Missouri had a lead they went into halftime tied 10-10 and then Missouri came out and scored the first points made at 13-10 Missouri had a lead in the third quarter against Georgia and the first quarter and the first quarter. Yeah, you're right. Georgia, again, scored the first points, make it 3-0, but Missouri scored a touchdown, make it 7-3. Bro. I mean, how can we really be mad when we're at home and we do this to someone? Purdue, they have their pride about them. So, again, it's not a Northwestern, in my opinion, where they could really screw up your season, at least for Michigan. It's not a Iowa even for me, but Purdue is someone, even when they're unranked, I think, don't they, aren't they, aren't they the team that has that stat that like they've taken down the most like top three teams uh, while being not ranked in the last like five or 10 years or something like that. Yeah. I forget exactly what it was because it's been a couple of years since they've done it, but yeah, they, as an unranked team, I think they have, I think it was the it was either the most top five or you know they've taken down number two because they they were doing it like two or three times in like a three or four year span and yeah, yeah they, they were as an unranked team they were taking down number two Ohio State I think it was twice and yeah they were they were the upset kings for a minute there yeah so you know I think it's still a solid win it's just man, I don't really want to belabor this point. It's like we're just really looking for that Penn State and then Ohio State game. Because, I mean, uh, J.J. had really good passes this game. It, uh, he His completion ratio wasn't exactly where it has been all season. But, you know, he's still dialed in. I, I'm, You know, he's still dialed in. But the completion ratio is not where it usually is. Um. We didn't convert on fourth down, which we usually do. We let them score the last second touchdown. You didn't really get, like, super upset about all these things. But, you know, why? It's a win. We're looking toward the end of the season now. We're trying to just finish undefeated, and that's that's the goal, and that's the plan. I'm not very excited about this win, so I don't – I really don't want to belabor it, to be honest. I I think it's – I think – I don't know. Do you have anything more to say about this game? Well, I I think just to add on to what you're saying is, you know, coming off the bye week, maybe expected a little more, but at the same time, maybe maybe don't need to expect a little more because I there I don't think anybody going against Purdue coming in at two and six now they're two and seven. I don't think anybody had upset alert in their mind at home, right, right, at right, night, right. in the big house, even though Purdue With can new take light. down the champs. Yeah, I don't think anybody was really legitimately thinking that. And so I don't think Michigan, you know, I've, I've said it before, I don't think they were trying to put anything on tape. They had really, yeah, I, I think I the only... This whole, game. this whole game looked like they were just trying to show as little as possible and just win. <laughs> like... Yeah, the, the only really... The only really trick play that we ran, I mean, how many times in the beginning of the season did we run a flea flicker? Probably the first five games in a row we ran a flea flicker. Didn't run a flea flicker, but we ran um, 
It's the Maj reverse. I, I guess, yeah. What do you what did you call it? An end around, even though it was a wide receiver, wide receiver run, whatever you want to call that. So yeah, yeah. that was really our only trick play, and that worked to perfection. I mean, yeah, what was Samaj it? Forty four yards for Samaj looking. Freshy, frosh. Yeah. Frosh king yeah. in this biz right now, dude. He burns that. I, I again, I don't really care enough about the other team's defensive list as Ohio State, and I don't even care about them. So I don't know if it was a free safety or a cornerback, but someone in their secondary, they had an angle for like about a split second, and Samaj just turned on the turbo charges, and away he went. Yeah. So I think I think that just shows that maybe Michigan, I don't want to say was looking past this game, but we didn't really need to do anything out of the ordinary yeah. to win. And even without that touchdown, you take seven points off the board, you know, still a comfortable victory. Yeah. Um, 40, 41 points, you put up 41 points. So just running a standard game plan, Michigan, yep. Michigan's going to score. They're going to score. Yep. And I mean, I, I you know, Samaj is looking really good. I guess the biggest thing for me about this game was just the fact that, like, this kid constantly is just nipping at the bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, the mm-hmm. the three, four, five efforts to get into the end zone seven yards out a few weeks ago, um, everything that this kid is showing me right now, it was highlighted – in this game. So that's like, I think one of the best parts about this game is that we now have a freshman making noise. It's not just our sophomores, juniors, you know, JJ is a sophomore. Um, You got a lot of other people as juniors making some noise, but we're now at the recruiting process in Michigan football history during this decade that we have our freshmen making game-changing plays or at least able to. Because at that point, it wasn't necessarily a game-changing play, but every point counts. And that dude just – he's like, no, I'm getting into the end zone. And the reason why I'm bringing that up, I feel like if you've been listening to the show, you probably know it's going to come. Edwards not catching – or catching that ball and then not getting in the end zone. I was not going to be very critical about this, but I was watching it with someone – that is definitely not as into Michigan football as I am. And he probably didn't even know the name of the guy, to be honest. But he's like, why didn't he get into the end zone? He didn't even know who he was. He's like, why didn't he get into the end zone? Why did he go out of bounds? He didn't even, like, try to reach or grab or whatever. And I'm like, that's true. I think he was more uh, uh, concerned with making sure his feet were inbound, which I'll give it to him. Because I appreciate you catching the ball and then running. Because that's what a lot of easy first down opportunities get lost at is when the wide receiver is already like, oh, it's so easy, it's such an easy pass, I'm just going to catch it and run, and then they forget to catch the ball, you know? Yep. So I'm not knocking Edwards for that. But at the same time, Edwards is, again, looking more like a wide receiver than a running back. Like, the kid, I love him coming up in the backfield as a passing threat, but if he's a lone back, I'm pretty sure everybody in the freaking league knows we're not running. Like, and if we do run, it's not going anywhere because, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Corum 
uh, his third touchdown, he hit the back of his lineman uh, back. He bounced back. His legs were still going forward. And then he just shuffled to the hole and then went forward. And he pretty much walked in. And that's what I've been complaining about with Edwards the whole time. He just dives into a hole. And this is what I'm going to relate this to now with that catch is that, come on, man, like, pretty sure we all know you got the hands to even, like, just stretch out and do that. You don't need to. But you also don't need to go to the league. Like, I feel like he has that talent to do that. So I'm not going to knock him. It was a great reception. If it wasn't so close to the end zone, no one would really be complaining about it. But since it was like a yard or two out in the end zone, you're not really going to even try to stretch. You already had control of it. You know, you know, it's, it's all these little things about Edwards just kind of annoying me at this point. It has been the whole season. And I, I honestly, I just, I would like to see, I don't know if we're going to do this in Penn State, but I'd like to see it at least in the Ohio State game, Corum and Edwards out in the field at the same time doing a little bit more of this play action to Edwards, making go be a receiver. And then you have an, oh no, play action to Corum. You have Edwards going out as a receiver or shit, option to Corum, play action, option to Corum. Edwards goes out from the uh, backfield as a receiver. And then we have that type of option because Edwards is filthy at catching the ball. Absolutely filthy. The kid, he's, one of the best I've seen, like, ever in college. But his effort right now is just, like, concerning me. It's just a concern. Like, I know he cares. It's just, like, are you – is your confidence hurt? Um, again, someone dying in your family? Like, what? what is going on? Like, this is a totally different Edwards than we've seen from last, last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't really disagree with any of that. Um... I would just I would just say that I don't want to be again watching watching that pass. It's like, damn, how did you not get in the end zone there? Yeah. But it's it's really hard to be critical because well, I I guess you can be critical because it was I feel like it was a perfectly thrown ball and that was maybe Blue Jays best. Well, he had a few good balls the other day too against Michigan State, you know, right by defenders' ears on a roll. Yeah. But that was – that, that, that ear pass is probably my number one still, but – Yeah, but this one this one had touch, and he dropped it right in the basket, and it was a perfectly thrown ball. And I'm not going to yeah. try and act like it's that's an easy catch because that's no. over the shoulder at full speed, you right. know, coming you're, – you're, you're running downfield – looking behind you and it drops in the basket and so that that is that is it's not easy and he was directly on the sidelines and yet it looks like on tv that all you had to do was just run straight and instead you took a left turn and went out of bounds but i mean yeah. it the execution of it still you can't complain about a perfectly thrown ball at 37 yards in the air like no and that's yeah. what I really want to say is that I'm not trying to just jump onto my own train of like kind of dragging Edwards through the mud this season, which I have been doing, and I don't back down from that. I think he deserves it because he's better than this. But I'm just saying, if you want to be that X factor, like uh, you know Cornelius Johnson, uh, Wilson, something like that, 
because you're obviously a more of a pass threat than a, a running threat at this point, at least this season. You know, just you know, honestly, I'm saying this more and more, and I'm kind of almost like thinking right now, like I don't even like what I'm saying, mainly because I like that he made sure that he secured the ball. Okay, because if we didn't yeah. get that pass, that would have really fucking sucked. And then he would have looked like an even bigger idiot because JJ put it up so beautifully, like you said, with touch, still with the spiral and not too high. It wasn't like a freaking huck. You know, he didn't just huck this thing up. Hopefully it gets to him. It was touched. But it's just, I don't know. Edwards was like hungrier last year, I guess. I, I guess that's kind of how I'm feeling this whole season with him is that it just seemed like he was hungrier. He's not learning from Corum because Corum just proved with that third touchdown. He's been doing that bounce, bounce, find a hole, go and drive. My legs are going forward the whole time, all season, all, all of his career at Michigan. So it's like, if you're not learning from the older guys, if you're not really trying, like what, there's got to be something going on here. Because I, I really don't get what's going on with Edwards. I'm glad he got a touchdown. I'm glad he got a touchdown. But, again, it's like one of those Blake Corum touchdowns where it's two yards out or whatever. You know, Blake Corum, they're just trying to, you know, pump up the numbers for the league, try to get the kids to the league. With with Edwards, if he's trying to go to the league next year, I feel like that would be, like, a terrible move. you gotta you got to show that you can get those 10, 20, 30-yard run touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Like, Blake's done. And I know, and I know yeah. Edwards did that against Ohio State last year, and it was such a beautiful thing to see. That's why we all love Edwards so much, too. I, I'm not gonna have you know memory loss about that, but it's also a new mm-hmm. season. Like we got to talk about what's going on right now. It's I love you for that. I will always love Edwards for last season. He destroyed Ohio State for the first time in what do we say? Fucking twenty years. And we didn't destroy him like that. You know, it, it, he has so much clout with all of alumni, all of Michigan fans. But it's just like, bro, you can't just quit on us, though, either, bro. Because that's what it kind of felt like with the, the no effort, with such a perfect pass. Okay, I'm good right here at the two-yard line. I'm good giving Blake another touchdown. And maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's trying to be a bro to Blake and just, like, say, yo, get to the league. I doubt it, but I, you know, I, I got to think of everything at this point because I don't understand what's going on with Edwards. Yeah, I, I, I'm not willing to go that far, but I, I, I get the frustration. I get it, and it is kind of it's strange because again, exactly going back to Ohio State when he was the featured back without Blake Corn back there, he showed up. He showed everybody that he can play. And it it yep. is it's just it's just curious. I think that's that's my word for it right now. It's curious yep. at at his lack of production this season. But yeah, I'm still not writing him off because I don't think anybody is in panic mode in the Michigan locker room about Donovan no. Edwards. I don't think anybody is questioning his abilities. I don't think anybody is starting to wonder, oh, can we trust this guy? Can we can we not count on him anymore for a big play when we need it? I don't think that's going on at all. And so I I I agree with everything that you're saying, but but I'm not panicking about it. I I just feel like, you know, there's there's something about it where it it's not that big of a deal. It's it's a nice to have, but it's not essential. We haven't needed 
we haven't needed Donovan Edwards to be, you know, our number two running back. Like, we need this guy right now, and we need to give Blake Corum some time off. We need somebody else to go in and carry the ball. We need we need him to show up. We need him in the passing game because our receivers aren't doing well. It's just it's a weird situation, I guess, for everybody, and, and they're just looking for a place to put him in right now. And, again, I've been saying it like a broken record. I feel like we're just – we're looking – we're looking for reasons to not put things on tape right now. And we don't need to, we don't need to show any kind of trickeration with Donovan Edwards. We saw, we saw it when he was a freshman in the big 10 championship. Game. I like and, that. Yeah. And he, he throws, he threw, what was it? A, a fucking 70 something yard touchdown pass. And he put, he put that thing on a fucking dime. So I don't even know whoever he completed the pass to, but it was like he he had somebody in his face. He got smacked, and he threw maybe the most perfect ball of that season. And it was like that was Donovan Edwards with yeah. a glove on. Like, yeah, with the glove. The kid's got talent. The kid has talent, and and I'm not. It it's curious as to why he's not performing this year, but I think everybody knows it, and I think he's going to be be back next season. Um, I don't think the league right now, to your point, is knocking on his doorstep saying, we need you right now. I think he'll be back. And I think next year, I'm I'm hoping and praying that it'll be a breakout year for him next year. But again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking his effort. I don't think he's out there not trying. Um, It's just, it's just strange that it's not going his way right now. And I think maybe, maybe that, maybe he's having an off season. Maybe it is an entire season thing, but maybe, maybe when the big game comes, He'll he'll be back he'll be back on the field making big plays again. So yeah, that's all we can hope for. Um, I honestly don't have anything else to say about this game. I'm not very happy or disappointed with it. It's like you said. If anything, it's more of a we won the game at home. Uh, we didn't show anything that we actually are saving for Penn State, Ohio State slash the national championship. So. If anything, it was like a very yeah. uh, calm win coming off a of bye week. That's okay. I'll say one more thing because you did bring this up. Coming off a of bye week, you never know really what's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, skipping a week of like a regimented schedule in not the middle of the season, but honestly, it's almost worse that it was like towards the latter end uh, toward, with an unranked team. Like, this is classic. Like, after Appalachian State, Michigan football, you you have one team that just gets into your season and fucks it all up. Like the whole season's gone now because you lost to Northwestern. You know, you lost to Michigan State. You lost to someone that you really should have beat. So, you know, Purdue, you know, Goliath killers out here usually off of a mm-hmm. bye week with really nothing in their season. There's They have nothing left to really hope for but to try to take down a top ten team. Um, I will say that that is a really good thing to take away from this game because you could easily fumble and lose that game off of bye week, especially. So, and I, I think I think that's the takeaway for me right there is that yeah, off of a bye week, you, you exactly you kind of sometimes don't know what to expect, and now that we played that game, everybody's getting back into their normal schedule. Yeah, you know. It, it's tough to say it's a dirty forty-one thirteen victory, yeah. but yeah, yeah. but watching watching the complete game 
again, going from the first quarter being in total control and then in the second quarter being like, okay, what what is going on? It looks like we're stumbling right. here. Right. But you, you still put up 41 points, and even that 13 is tough to look at on the scoreboard because it's not like Purdue really put up 13 points and, and was a serious contender at any point. You know, they only had six points until 18 seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter, and it was a fourth fourth and three when they scored yeah, the I touchdown. Think, so. I think I think Minter is the most upset about this game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. Exactly, he's upset for his defense. For why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? You know, actually, but, speaking of that, there was this one pass on Purdue's side where yeah. I don't know who the fuck it was, but he just like literally started ball watching, and the receiver was literally always on track with the ball, and he ended up five yards away from the receiver when the receiver caught the ball, even though he was covering him. And our fucking free safety had to come out of nowhere and tackle him so he didn't score a touchdown. That was the worst Michigan defensive pass coverage I've seen all season. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't remember who it was either, but I'm I'm pretty sure they said on the broadcast that it was a freshman out there, and that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like when the play was going on, it looked like, oh, okay, he totally, the quarterback must have totally sailed the ball because our defender literally just, yeah, just stopped. stopped. He just pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, and I think they said, too, that was Purdue's longest play of the season. It was, what, some 50, 50-something yards, I think? Oh, maybe it was only – maybe it was a 43-yarder. But it's like that was Purdue's longest play of the season, and it's basically because the Michigan defender just gave up on it. I don't, and I don't even want to say he gave up on it. He, yeah, I wouldn't say gave up. I I, I I think he just really misread like the whole up, play. But I think I think you you said ball watching. I don't think he was ball watching because I don't even think he saw the ball. I think he honestly thought something else was happening and he and he stopped running, which is which is basically totally the opposite of how Michigan's been play, been playing all season. It seems like every single play everybody's giving 100% effort. And he was out there, and and he got lazy. It looked like he got lazy. He got lazy, and it was a huge game for Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. No, he definitely. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like you said, that's how our defense has not been looking the whole time, which is great. Yeah. But it's now like, and and honestly, to be real, man, this is kind of exactly what I just said a couple minutes ago. Coming off a of bye week, people who haven't played sports don't understand. Like how hard, specifically football, because there's only one game a week. If you take a whole week, which is really two weeks pretty much off, like that that is hard to come back from. Like the adrenaline, like being in a stadium atmosphere, you're just practicing the whole time. You're watching TV. You think you can just kind of take a week off if you're not disciplined. And guess what a week off does? Motherfuckers been playing since week two by week. You know what I'm saying? There's motherfuckers out here that are like, oh, I hope you slip up. I've been waiting for you to slip up. I need you to slip up. And if you slip up for one week, this could happen in a definitely different way. We could be looking like Georgia right now, winning by nine points against Missouri. And and I want to say this. I know this is what we're all thinking. Oh, but it was a ranked, what did you say, 14 CFP. Uh, uh, AP poll 
number 16 team against number one, though. That's the thing. If you're number one, if you're not playing a top five team, you should not be losing or you should not be winning by less than two touchdowns. If you don't win by more than two touchdowns, and I'll even say if it's not a rivalry game, but you should still do this with your rivals. There is something that happened in that game. Like, like you, you should, there, there's a, there's a weakness to be exposed. And I think Jimmy knows that he's going to be looking at that tape because there's something that happened with Georgia's team that broke the fuck down. And it might be Missouri's offense or it could be an exposed defense, but it is one of those things. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just kind of thinking about it right now. Like how do coaches really, you can't, you can't study every game equally. And if you do, I don't think you're going to learn enough. Right. So you got to kind of almost pick those games that you really want to study. I got to tell you, 30-21 at home, Georgia winning by, like, pretty much one score. Like, and they were down for, like, at least two quarters of the game. That's yeah. number two. And then Ohio State is number one. Yeah, I'm I'm going right into that right now because I am against. That's still a shocker to me, too. I still I can't fathom it. No, this week is even worse than last week because then Notre Dame loses to fucking Clemson. So that whole oh reason God. why they were even – I think they were – were they were they number two at one point or three before this, and then they they dropped, and then now they're back to three. And it's like – Ohio State? In the AP. Yeah, the Ohio AP, State came out of the gates at number three, and then they dropped for the dropped, first two weeks. I think they were down to either they were down to either number five, possibly number six. It might have only been number five, but yeah, even though first two weeks they got wins, they dropped and then dropped again. Bro, you're trying to tell me the reason why they got pretty much back to fucking three is because of an Notre Dame and a Penn State win. Yeah, Notre Dame is. Trash. Yeah. Trash. That's what that's and what like, I'm saying too. How do you lose to a four and four Clemson team? Like Clemson, yeah, they have a good program there, but they're four and four. They're they're trash. not looking good this season. And trash. you gave them their their season defining win right now. You gave it to them. No, like literally that was the thing that separated Everyone was giving so much shit to Michigan for a week's schedule. We talked about this while this was happening. They were giving us so much shit about our week fucking schedule, and they were comparing us to Notre Dame's loss to Ohio State. Bro, yeah. Notre Dame lost to Clemson, bro. Who the fuck cares? Notre yeah. Dame is not in a league. They get ranked because people watch them. People need to make sure that they are watching Notre Dame who run college football. Like, we need people to watch Notre Dame. They're going to suck. We know that. But at least for the first half of the season, they're going to think they're good. So people will still watch. And it's like, it's exactly what Ohio State beat. And then they barely beat Penn State at home. That is a one-score game. It was 28 to – no, 20 to 12. I, I told you just earlier, that's the most disgusting score I think I've seen besides, like, Five to two. Like, like I, I honestly can't really imagine any uglier football score. It's kind of wild. Yeah, and, and I think... They're playing us in an hour. I think, 
I think your your point does have a little bit of credibility right there with you know needing needing these fans to watch the game because it seems like you know Notre Dame consistently is overranked at the beginning of the season. Ohio State and maybe maybe Ohio State does deserve it a little more. It's tough to say, but maybe they do because Ohio State is consistently a good program and over the last 20 years has consistently been in the national championship talk, but they're always preseason hyped. You know, a, a team like Texas is always preseason hype and it's like there there's there's a handful of teams that pretty much no matter what if they show anything they're going to be ranked top 10 coming out of the gates and it's like why yeah, yeah. why yeah. is this happening why are they ranked well, that's why so the bcs high? is such bullshit that's why the bcs is such bullshit if you did not have like five years running of being top 10 through the season you're not getting top five like like good luck trying to get top five if you're not in the SEC specifically for, like, most of the time that we grew up. But, like, right when well, the CFP came into play, it got a little bit more like professional football where it's not based on fucking coaches voting of, like, who they think is the best, which I thought was going to be a better thing. There's always a good and bad, though, is what I think we've all found out. It's like now there's, like, arbitrary rankings, like we're looking at literally right now that are just like the BCS bullshit. But like, it's now it's it's t- somehow sustainable because everybody's not know. It, I think it kind of wraps around to what you're saying is that like, Ohio State like kind of in reverse. Ohio State has been doing this stuff for 20 years, and like, I actually would agree to some level that that did matter. But I thought the CFP system was supposed to like take that out of account. Well, it's an interesting point because this is not this is not my own theory, but I do really buy into it that you know, there really almost should be no rankings before, you know, week whatever into the season, maybe even into yeah, week why, why 8 don't the when CFP, the first yeah, when the first the CFP, CFP rankings come out. Come out 2 weeks ago. Yeah, and why are we ranking all these ago. teams? preseason it's nobody really knows what these teams are going to do and then when you have an Ohio State that they're only ranked because of preseason rankings like oh you know they beat they beat Notre Dame and they beat Penn State like well yeah they were ranked but how do we really actually know that they're the good programs we really don't you need to wait you need to hold hold your horses and wait for a few weeks wait for a handful of weeks maybe wait five six seven eight weeks before you can really get a sense of what these teams are. And don't be saying, oh, Ohio State's number one in the land because they've got they've got the best wins overall. Well, how do we know that they're the best wins? Because, yeah, it looked good on paper when everybody thought Notre Dame was a contender. But now, you know, what's Notre Dame sitting at? Seven and three? Is that their six and three, seven and three, whatever their, their – whatever their um, – their win losses right now, it's like, you know, that, that looked a lot better when they played them than it actually is when Notre Dame plays out the rest of their season. They're not as good as everybody thought they were. And it's it's tough to start ranking teams that you haven't seen. And, again, that's the biggest knock against Michigan. Oh, who have they played? Well, 
you know, we haven't played anybody that's been ranked, but other teams have we've we've thought that they've played good teams and those good teams turn out to be just mediocre teams. Just whatever well, teams. Wait, no. wait, wait, wait. We've played ranked teams. I'm not sure if we have. I don't think we played a ranked team this season yet. No, um, Rutgers wasn't um, ranked. No, we haven't played any ranked teams okay. this season. Right. Which okay. even, even know, going I'll, into I'll the season, I don't think anybody you. on our schedule was ranked at the beginning of the season. There was nobody. Right. It was it was Penn State and Ohio State okay. were the only two ranked teams, which is still the okay, story. Right. They're the only two ranked teams. Look how many fucking Pac-12 teams are ranked, and they have so many losses. And like, they dude. Fuck the Pac-12. They're trying to include the West Coast because they're going to get absorbed by the Big Ten. So, like, they're trying to pump up the fan base in the West Coast right now by ranking them in the top ten, which kicks out a lot of the Big Ten schools. Like, Wisconsin almost – like, they gave fucking Ohio State runs for their money, bro. Like, you can't have Wisconsin in the top 25 and also try to fit in Cal State. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that, yeah, yeah that's what I was trying to get to earlier with with your point that you had brought up in the past that that ranking these teams out of the gate higher than maybe what they deserve or maybe what anybody even knows you know they're just putting it out there because they wanna they wanna get some hype around these teams because they want their fans to be interested in the season and you've brought it up before that even even when Michigan is not a national championship contender and every fan knows they're not a national championship contender, their fans still watch the games week yeah. in and week out. Michigan fans yeah. are going to be at the stadium. There's going to be a hundred thousand tickets sold no matter what. They're, they're biggest, 15. Yes. They are the biggest alumni base in the nation. They are going to be watching the games. We saw it throughout the Rich Rod era, which was the worst era of Michigan football in its entire history, and everybody still watched. Michigan fans still watch the game. And so a team like Notre Dame, got to make sure that they're there. Texas, got to make sure that they're relevant because they need those huge fan bases to be engaged in the game also. Ohio State need that fan base to be engaged in the season. you know. And I really do think there is – there is a valid point to be made about that, that these rankings are to get people to watch the games instead of what they legitimately are going to be. And also it's, it's just a crap shoot too. Like again, you know, before, before week five, six, seven, it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of throwaway games. There's a lot of games that you expect everybody to be winning. There are a lot of games that you can't, you can't make judgment calls on. And it is really just whoever, the betting odds are to win the game. And it's just, it's not really, there's no exact science to it because it's not like the NFL where you know who these players are and these are known commodities and we have game film on all these guys for the past 10 years. They're, every season the team is different. So you don't know how they're going to be from season to season. And it's a, it is a lot of guesswork going into the preseason rankings. And then those preseason rankings dictate the next four or five weeks easily just based on what the guess was at the beginning of the season. No, I know. And, and, and honestly, I thought you were going to say four to five years. And that's what I still think they take into account. It's not even just the four or last five weeks. 
they should be taking into account, like you're saying, they should wait that long. But they still look back all the time, I still think. I think that's what affected all. They got an operational bias right now. Like, and it's on purpose. They, because you still got to make the good teams win. So, like, you got to make sure that they're ranked high enough because they actually are the best team. But then, like, you got to include these other people so that, like, they still think they, like, kind of matter. Because that's how I felt like as a Michigan fan for a long-ass time. It's like we get ranked two, three, four, five, seven, ten, whatever out the gate. And I'm like, all right, we got a shot. And, you know, had, like, what, five years of just disaster. So it's like, you know, yeah, I, I could see that. Because I, I remember making the decision just, like, not go to the game unless I wanted to go to the game. If I had more fun at the party, I'd just be like, yeah, actually, I'm just probably not going to go. Like, I already paid for this ticket, but I, they did the general admission at Michigan Stadium. Bro, it was, like, not senior seniority. It was, like, first come, first serve. So, like, if you were just some dude that just wanted to get there at 7 a.m., you'd be, like, at the wall. And it's, like, the fuck? Like, all of my upperclassmen friends were just so pissed at that. They're, like, I've been paying into the system for two years to try to get in their seat. <laughs> yeah, I remember. You know? Obviously, I didn't I didn't go to Michigan, but I remember you you and a couple other people talking about that. It's, like, why is this happening? Why is it first come, first serve exactly? There's – so much other stuff going on that you know you should be guaranteed your seat exactly because of because of seniority that's just how it works you've been there for longer you get the better seats as you stay you get better seats that's just how how the game works and yeah when you're not going to go out and and do exactly what happens with the team rankings that's what happens with the team rankings is that well they keep seniority because you get more committed fans like yeah you know what I'm saying? Like literally, when yeah. they ha- when that happened, I, like they were complaining about how weak the student section was that one year, like my junior year. It was like, yeah, how the student section like a third ball, <laughs> like the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, well. We haven't been doing good anyway, and you also gave away my fucking front row tickets as a senior. Fuck you. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. if you at least were there all four years and you, like, bought into your, like, front row seats or at least good, like, really close seats, I think you'd still be like, you know, that kind of sucks, but at least I got to see this go pretty close. Like, two generations (laughs) just got cut the fuck out of it. Oh, dude, that's exactly what happens to good teams that don't have the history. Is that like they don't get ranked again well next season, even if they have a bust out season. Like, yeah, they don't get ranked like that next season. They might make top fifteen. <laughs> like they could be, they could finish like six, seven, maybe even five, be like eleven to like seventeen next year. Mm-hmm. If in the top twenty-five. So bringing it back, I guess, to, you know, preseason rankings and strength of schedule, you know, just thinking about Ohio State being number one, and it's like the college football playoff, they rank them at number one because of their strength of schedule and and their wins 
essentially against Notre Dame and Penn State. Like those were the wins yeah. that got them the yeah. number one ranking. But it that that logic doesn't even hold water because look at Florida State at number four. <laughs> they had they had their first win of the season against a number five LSU team. And then um, some weeks Ooh. later, whatever it was, they played number 16 Duke, and they won. So how are you telling me Wait, that Florida State – What was the score against Duke? Because that is actually a really – 38-20 against Duke. 38-20 against Duke, but against LSU, so it was 45-24. They blew LSU out of the water, 45-24. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Everybody thought that it was going to be a good game, and it was it was a no contest. Like I'm pretty sure beginning beginning of the second quarter is when Florida State started pulling away. Maybe it was the beginning of the second half, but eventually that game became it, it wasn't a competition anymore. And so you're going to tell me that we're basing this thing off of strength of schedule, and yet and that's why Ohio State's number one, and yet Florida State is number four. It it just it really doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Why one team would be based would be ranked number one based on their strength of schedule, and the other team would be ba- would be ranked number four based on their strength of schedule when they have very comparable wins. Also, and they're not one and better two. wins, better wins. Cause, cause Ohio you State might make that State. argument. Yeah, I will right now because Penn State beat Notre Dame when they were ranked at the last second with the last second touchdown. So I don't know how many I don't remember the exact score, but they needed to score a touchdown. I know it wasn't a field goal. That's why they went for it. So like mm-hmm. it was at least more than three points. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they could have went and also, overtime. And also Florida State beat Clemson. Florida State beat Clemson, who beat Notre Dame. And if we're if we're gonna start playing, you know, all those games with, oh, I beat this guy, who beat you, and that's why my win is better than your win. You know, Florida State beat Clemson, and it was thirty-one twenty-four. And Not that goes back to my victory. point. That goes back to my point about I thought is what the CFP was supposed to change about the BCS, and we got even like yeah. fucked on both ends now. It's like. The Rose Bowl isn't what it used to be. Now we have a national championship. So all the times mm-hmm. that Michigan's won the Rose Bowl or any – even state fans should honestly be upset about this. They, I have to admit, they, I can't believe that they won the fucking Rose Bowl, to be real. I fucking hate it. But, like, I did not see that coming at all. So whatever, you know. Now all that history is, like, pretty much washed because no one understands that the Rose Bowl was pretty much a national championship at one point. Like – it was about, like, a bowl game. But, like, what they're doing is they're using the bullshit logic of the BCS with a new system. So now you have stupid logic with a stupid – like, if you put that logic into the system, it makes it not work how it could work. You Like you're saying, have more of a, like, a gameplay in series. It's almost like it's always a tournament. You have to play four games at least to get ranked. And then, like, then you rank people. It's like you probably would have a better ranking. But people don't want to see blank numbers. I don't personally. I've been conditioned to see rankings at least of 25 teams. So it's like, do you want to wait that long? Or do you rank every single team every week? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if you just had, like, an actual, like, list every single week of just, like, every single team in D1 ranked? Like, 
Yeah, and that's you again, more that's like tough. That's, like that's tough to do before you know there are before half the season is done. How do you how do you rank all of these teams? And it, it really gets back to even preseason preseason picks. It's like I don't know how to combat it because I don't think it's ever going to change. We have the CFP, which comes out after week eight, but you're not going to stop the AP from ranking teams preseason. Yeah. It's yeah. always going to be there, yeah. and how do you ignore it? How do you well, okay. how do you pretend like, oh, this team is just, you know, this group of people who are, you know, the quote-unquote experts think that they're good, but we're just going to ignore that and wait until eight weeks into the season to really make up our minds on who's good or not. You know, you, you can't stop them from ranking teams, and so you can't stop kind of the predeterminations about who is good and who is not good. It's it's almost unwinnable. But, but again, if you're going to start ranking all 100-plus teams in the league, how do, you, how do you rank, you know, the 80th and 81st teams? Like, well, I'm just saying it, that it'd be more about numbers in the first four weeks. And, but, like, at that point, yeah, I mean, like, I'm just I'm I'm making an, an extreme example of what you need to do to actually try to make this fair though. If you didn't have these top 25 rankings out the gate anyway, though, you have like mm-hmm. way too much stuff to pay attention to. You'd split markets. That's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, they're just trying to like make sure that they get enough viewers to each game. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. it's like you got to play that game, and that's what we're seeing with Ohio State being number one because those fans suck ass. They're the worst fans in the world. I'm going to continually say this on this podcast. I've met really too many of them. They're literally in any sport. I've never seen worse fans ever. Ever. So, like, honestly, this is what they need to keep the Ohio State people happy so that they can say they're number one before they get fucking their ass beat in in Ann Arbor. But that's why I say that Penn State is the um, – biggest game of the year for us because there's not as much history as the Ohio State rivalry as there is with Penn State. So this could be overlooked by the rivalry with that. But with this team, I don't believe that's an issue. I'm just saying in the past it has been. And this is how we flip up and we need to beat Ohio State to try to get in. So it's not a need to beat Ohio State. We are better than Ohio State. It's not even close in my mind. None of their season has been convincing. The one of two biggest wins that they're supposed to have is not ranked in the top 10 for like two weeks. And then the other one you almost lost to at home. Like, bruh, like neither of you have been ranked as high in the AP polls the whole season as Michigan. Not worried. Gotta say. This is this is not being me me being a cocky University of Michigan football fan. This is just bare bones statistics. You haven't even come close. Not even at your own house. Like, I yeah, it's uh, it's a little like I'm more worried about Penn State in terms of let's just make sure we focus on this game first. Like, not that we're going to beat them or not. It's just, like, we need to focus on this game first. And I think Jimmy's got that kind of control over the locker room. I'm just saying that needs to be the message for Michigan football players this week is you're going into a hostile environment. That You have to understand this. We've been doing this all season, though. So just do the same thing. And it's really nothing different. 
And it's not even like that bullshit shit that your like little league coach try to tell you nothing different, man. Just believe in yourself. No, it's like legitimately we've been doing this to like teams methodically, like you always say, walking them down the field, bleeding the clock, setting the red cross with the crap with the clock, just mm-hmm. bleeding it, and executing our game plan at a calm pace, and by calm our place, our pace you know, how we want to score, how we want to defend. Quick on defense, a lot of touches because our offense scores a lot. And that's why we have less than 70 reps, at least at that one-week time point, of less than 70 reps of a defensive line, right? Like, we got, we're stacked like no other team. Penn State's uh, kind of what um, scene setting is going to be – I'd say the toughest we were going to play all year um, because we're playing in Ohio State at home and we're going to be um, undefeated at that point. So, you know, I don't think this is even a close debate about this is going to be the most narrow environment for Michigan. What? So what do you think if, big if, Michigan loses – at Penn State. I I want to put it on record. I do not think that will happen. I really do believe that Michigan will beat Penn State. And I almost want to say, and I will say, that I think they're going to beat them convincingly as well. I don't think, I think it'll be more than a one-score game. I think that. But if Michigan does lose to Penn State at home, do you think they still have a chance to make the college football playoff? And that would obviously obviously include Michigan beating Ohio State at the Big House final game of the season. But do you think they still have a road to the playoff if they lose to Penn State? I mean, if Ohio State could do it last year, we could do it. So... Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a no, but that kind of goes back to what we were talking about this whole time for the last, like, 10 minutes about, like, really actually looking at how the league is ran. I think they're much more – after 2000, I think it was six or seven, when we should have definitely played Ohio State in the fucking championship, but instead Florida fucking went. For a rematch of the fuck, dude, oh, my God. That was – that was the game where really – that was that whole situation where I really got pissed off at college football. I was like, how in the fuck are you going to not put Michigan back in over fucking Florida? Like, the whole scenario of that, SEC fans will be like, fuck you. But I literally will say, fuck you, right back at them. Because we deserve to be in that national championship one billion percent. It's not even close. And I got to tell you, ever since then – I don't doubt that they would not get Michigan into the playoff if we lose to Penn State at all. I'd, I, If I was a betting man, I'd, I'd put money on it. I would like to think the same thing, and that will be my exact logic also, is that last year Ohio State did it with the one loss to Michigan. And if Ohio State can do it with one loss to a Big Ten team, to the team – that was clearly better than them and clearly dominated them in that game, 
exposed them in every which way, and they still made the playoff. I I tend to agree that even if Michigan loses to Penn State, I think it's got to be a close, which, again, it goes against what happened last season. I think Michigan's got to play a close game against Penn State. It has to be a close. They can't get blown out like Ohio State did against Michigan. That was really the biggest thing, and it's like, Ohio State didn't just lose to Michigan. They got bent over by Michigan, yeah. and they and still we, made the playoffs. We never lost control of that game. There was, like, one play no. that was, like, super close, but it didn't happen. And we That was the oh – man, that was such a convincing win in Columbus. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> and everybody was talking, too. They were talking about the weather and, oh, how is this going to fare for Michigan and, you know, playing in the elements and in the horseshoe. Are they going to be able to run their game plan? But, I mean, that that's exactly what happened is Michigan ran the ball down let's their throats. Forget, let's game. not forget that not only did Michigan run it down their throats last year, every team that actually matters that Ohio State's played, and or Notre Dame, quote-unquote, matters. And then Penn State, who kind of ran the fuck up the middle like it was nothing on these motherfuckers, dude. They, dude, if they let, that's why I wanted, that's why I needed to see Mullings back. Bro, Purdue is a different line than the Nittany Lions. You have Boilermakers, and you have the Nittany Lions. Like, just think about, like, what what you think both those teams could actually look like. They kind of do. Like, besides Saquon Barkley, which is way too long ago, they haven't had anything like a Boilermaker. So, like, their line is crazy. Or, that's like their that's like their whole strong point, you know. Penn State, they're a little bit more balanced. They let Ohio State run. Ohio State let Penn State run on them. Notre Dame ran on uh, Ohio State up the middle. Dude, Cora, Mullings, and Edwards, even Hall. Might even have a a freaking day, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think I think that is a good point about the run game because watching that uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State game, and even against Penn State, Penn State we we talked about before. Penn State, their quarterback did not show up and he could not do anything against Ohio State. But what could they do? They could run the football. And same thing with Notre Dame. What did Notre Dame do? to Ohio State. They ran the ball up and down the field. That dude, Audric Estime, Notre Dame's featured running back, he is a man out there. He is a good running back, and I would love for him to be on the Michigan squad. That is a big (laughs) dude with a lot of skill. And he fucking ran over Ohio State. I'm looking looking right now at... um, What's you know, the, the win probab- probability chart for the um, Ohio State-Notre Dame game. And in the fourth quarter, Notre Dame had a 90.9% chance of winning that game. <laughs> so, it, again, it's not like Ohio State is blowing out these good teams. You know, they are I, – I don't believe in their strength of schedule. I just don't believe it. I don't think that their defense is all that great. That game ended up being 17-14. Don't tell me that Ohio State is great. Their offense 
was non-existent. They didn't have anything, and in, in, in Notre Dame just didn't have anything a little bit less than Ohio State. You know, they, they drove the ball down the field consistently in that game against Ohio State, and they just couldn't score. Whatever happened, they could not score. And I don't chalk that up to Ohio State being that good. I chalk it up to Notre Dame being not that good, not being able to finish the job. Dude, this Audric SMA has 13 touchdowns with a 6.1 average carry. So, Corum the dude has, is a Corum has man. 16, Corum, <laughs> Corum has 16 touchdowns. I think it's 5. Point, I don't want to misquote this, but I think it's 5.2. Yeah, I really like Audric SMA. He is he might be the best running back in the nation. I know that whatever that dude from Oklahoma State's getting a lot of attention recently. And yeah, he's he's pretty good also. But I, just yeah, looking looking at Audric Estime on TV, it's like that is a big body that can run over people, and he's also fast and has well, dude, that's evasive maneuvers. I mean, like, so this dude. Okay, so the guy that you're talking about, though, he was definitely um, he's like five foot eleven, two twenty seven. Okay, and then. Little Mullings, he's a lot smaller than Mullings is, at least like height wise. You know what I'm that saying? That actually he's a little bit heavier than... because he looks bigger than Mullings to me on TV. But yeah, you're right. He is only five eleven. But just watching him, he looks like a big boy. Well, he's two twenty seven. So Quorum, I think, is like two oh nine, and he's like five nine. He's like big, big boy for that too. But Mullings is six two two thirty nine. So for what three more inches he has another twelve pounds, so it's four pounds an inch. Kid loves yeah, but, work. But I Aldrich estimate he's got speed though. I feel like he's a big body at yeah. two twenty seven, but he's yeah. got speed. Yeah. I don't know if he's the fastest guy in the field, but he's definitely faster than Blake Corum. And I'm not trying, I'm not knocking Blake Corum in any way. We talked we talked before about how strong Blake Corum is and what kind of power he can generate. That dude is jacked, but everybody knows he's not the fastest guy on the field. Yo, dude, Corum's five eight, so a full three inches lower at two thirteen. So Corum's got fourteen by uh three inches. So it's like about 3.33 per inch, something like that. Yeah, and we and we talked that that dude is fucking chest massive with those reps that he was putting up, whatever it was, whatever those stats but were. He would have been squat daddy. Like the dude literally lifted with one leg, a goddamn 300 pound motherfucker, to make sure his yeah. knee didn't touch the ground, and then busted like a what? 20-yard run or some shit after that? Like, he said, like, dude, he literally went nutty. Like, that was crazy. I couldn't believe that he actually didn't touch his knee. Like, I didn't even see the replay, but, like, watching it live, I was like, wow, he really didn't go down. You know? Mm -hmm. It it really wasn't a question for me, like, when they're doing the replay, if he was down or not. Because Blake is the guy that if he knows he's going to go down, he wouldn't really have put himself in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He would have probably tried to spin the other way instead of that. But he's like, this dude's falling kind of on my shoulder. 
I'm going to just jack my hips up, roll him off me, and then bust the run because everybody's going to think I'm tackled. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. dude, that's, that's literally what he did. And that's what I'm just saying about with Edwards is that I just hope that he just, like, really looks at how Blake Corum runs because that dude is freaking sick, and I just want to see more from him. So I want, honestly, I, I really hope that he's a big part of the game plan for Penn State and Ohio State. Yeah, I am. I am excited to see how he gets utilized, and I will be a little disappointed if he has just another, you know, par for the course of this season going out there. I think I think he will be able to show something this game, and I hope they've been saving him for these last three games here. And it's like, all right, you know, whatever. You're you're not the standout this season. Like you, like you were last season, but that's okay. We don't need it, and when we do need it in Ohio, uh, Penn State and Ohio State, we need some big games out of some some alternative players. I might say like that, that he will show up for that. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm saying with the catch is that like I got to tell you, I think he's in a place where he just needs to get confidence back. And I think that's why he didn't go for that. That I think he just wanted to show himself that, like, I need to catch this fucking ball. Like, there's no excuse for me to drop this ball and, like, not get inbounds. He literally threw the first pass. And, again, as a quarterback, I would definitely respect that instead of him bobbling the ball, trying to switch it to his hand, trying to touch the pine or the pylon, and then fucking dropping the ball. Now I got – now we're 40 yards away still. We're not even field goal range, and if it wasn't third down, which I think it was, I don't, I don't even yeah. remember what down it was. But like, if it's a third down, we just lost the first down. Or if it's second down, it's third and long. Great, you know what I'm saying? Catch the ball. That is definitely number one. Not gonna knock him for that, but yeah. you know, I think he actually does have that skill. I think the fact that he didn't go for it shows that there's something going on with the whole confidence level, and I don't know what it is. I don't understand. But, like, he needs to get over that shit. That's all I'm going to say. Because, like, if you're not, dude, just don't be a running back anymore. Like, just line up on the outside, let Hall get some reps, and just be a wide receiver. Have Wilson, Cornelius fucking Johnson, Edwards, and uh, some Maj. Dude, if those are your four receivers and you have fucking Blake Corum, Mullings, or Hall in the backfield, like. Uh, yeah. And 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 I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. And what I'm thinking too is also, you know, with the wide receiver sweep, yeah, Samash Morgan. It's like right. I'm Edwards not going to ask that. like exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm not going to pretend that Donovan Edwards doesn't have that ability to do that. If, no, he probably has like almost 1.5 to two times the speed of what Samaj could do that at. Because what you could yeah. do. You could fake it like twice if you wanted to, and then just do a quick little fucking screen pass. As instead of reversing it, he's still running around you. So you like fake to your left, but he's coming from the left. He goes right. So you fake. You just spin at the quarterback, and you just lob it to him, and he just fucking darts down the field. Like cause that's what he's good at right now. I think he can get better at the side to side movement. But if you give him a lane, good fucking luck. Good luck. He's six foot two. Kids got some wheels. <laughs> I think yeah. Yeah, so I have I have a hard time believing that Sharon Moore doesn't have something drawn up for 
predominant yeah. birds in situations yeah. like that. Like it, again, I keep saying it, we're not putting it on tape. I feel like it's it's out there. We just haven't yeah. run it yet because we haven't needed to run it yet. There we we that's the thing. We you know we kind of lose the plot a little bit by you know kind of getting down on a forty-one to thirteen victory. We haven't needed it. We, there's been one. no time throughout this season where Michigan has said, all right, we really need some big plays here, and we really need to show something, and we really need to pull something out of our back pocket here. There hasn't been a single time this season. So I don't doubt for a second that we don't have more plays that we haven't shown yet. We don't have something that nobody else has seen that we can just run when we need to run some, when we need yards. We haven't been in a position all season long where we needed this play and we have something drawn up. I guarantee it where we need a first down right now. We need a touchdown right now. And, and we, we can't think of something more creative than what we've done because I forget the word that you used earlier. Um, but exactly just marching methodically marching down the field with consistency and, and clock management, and we've been talking about that all season. Like, that's all we've done. We haven't needed to do anything outside of that at this point. And anything that we have put on film, the the flea flickers and, you know, the wide receiver sweeps, those have all just been for funsies just to show it off because we can. We haven't needed to do any of it. And so I guarantee we've got more plays in our back pocket. Okay, when we actually need some yards here, Here's what we're going to throw at you, something that you've never seen before, something that you're not prepared for. It's coming. I mean, that's exactly what happened to uh, Iowa in the Big Ten Championship with Edwards throwing a fucking dime that you oh, talk yeah. about every single time I oh, get yeah. Edwards shit. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I know the kid is super talented. And, like, I want to repeat, I want to correct myself. He's one. Let's just get that straight in facts. Um, but – I'm just saying, I agree with you the whole time. I didn't really thought about it so much with the secrecy of, like, the actual game film, like, as a part of the game plan throughout the whole team. As much as you've helped me kind of see it this year, I still am kind of, like, wary if that's actually what's going on, but I do tend to believe that it is. You know, like, is it always like that? Maybe not, but... The only thing I'd say about this game is that, like you said, we let them score the most times in a game and the most points. So, like, it's like two not good things. You know? Well, you know, even, even going back to the Bo Schimbacher era, it's, you know, the players talked about, yes, you prepare for the team that you're playing every single week, obviously, because that's the game that's coming up. But every single week in practice, you also practice for Ohio State. You practice for them every single week because that is the game of the season. Everybody knows it. Everybody is prepared for the Ohio State game to be the biggest game of the season. And so, yeah, yes, and also, we, yeah, I'll, and also, I, I, how many, how many times, how many times did Ohio State the whole season been doing something different and then play Michigan do, or doing the same thing and then play Michigan and do something different, like totally different. Like, so they, they like would talk about that and stuff. Like, 
Ohio State has a totally different game plan for Michigan. That's what Bo used to do the whole time, too. Like, yes. Our game plan is to show you that we're good enough to easily beat all these trash teams and then have a totally different game plan that's, like, twice as good just to beat one team because fuck that team. (laughs) And and that's exactly why – that's exactly why I am confident that, you know, there are things that we have in our back pocket that we don't need to pull out right now. We don't need to show anybody that we've been working on this. We don't need to show anybody how lethal, you know, a Donovan Edwards can be because we know Donovan Edwards got skill. We are not doubting that in the least bit. And for whatever reason, it hasn't been panning out in just the regular consistent game plan. But we're going to be able to show it when we need it. We're going to be able to bring it out when we need to. And it's going to be there because, again, everybody else on the team understands that we are, in my opinion, the deepest team in college football. Everybody on yeah. that squad can plug yeah. and play right now. If somebody if somebody goes down, if somebody's not dude, having a good we, game, we are, there's somebody that's going to step up. Dude, we are the deep end where you di- you have a diving board. The rest of the league is in the, the three feet zone, bro. Yeah. We're easily four times the depth of any team outside of the top five. Like, yeah. And I thought Georgia actually had it because the way that they won their back to back, they had people coming back and they were fucking strong as hell the first season, too. It was definitely like yeah. a T bone moment for a lot of those people. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. they could have probably went to the league and they were young, sophomores, juniors. But then they stayed and they wanted another one. And then they either went to the league or they stayed, and they that's them now. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you were a sophomore mm-hmm. during that first championship, this is your senior year. Like, you get three-peat, right? And also, again, you know, just thinking, like, you know, sometimes, sometimes your offense isn't there. And what really wins those games is defense. You know, they always say defense travels. I know we're going away to Penn State, and our defense is going to travel. I don't doubt that for a second because Penn State, yeah, they've put up some gaudy numbers against some teams, but they've been against a bunch of no-name teams. Well, not necessarily no-name teams, but teams that you expect them to blow out. And when they played Ohio State, they scored 12 points. Yeah, their defense only allowed 20 points, but their offense did not show up. Michigan's defense will show up, and in, in Ohio State has played a couple close games, and it's because they have not had any offense whatsoever. And Michigan's defense, I put them, I put them above probably any defense in the league this year. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know yeah. how they stat up. They they compare rank wise. With you know yards and numbers, scoring, and yeah. their scoring defense has to and, be number one, dude. Yeah, and let alone they're just like letting you not enter a red zone stats. Yeah, like, so our defense, like you don't even you're not even close to the post for a field goal. You have to go. You have to go for it and play our game plan and go for it on fourth. We we yes. make you have to go for it on fourth, like yeah, and you don't want to. So you either try a large field goal 
or a small-ass punt, or you'll be a bitch because we're going to stop you at the line with our freaking Yankins, like, freaking McGregor. Kids want blood. Like, no, there's no one even close to us in defense. And I got to tell you, as you're just saying that Penn State's offense isn't there, so my old manager is um, a Penn State fan, and he's like, laugh out loud. I definitely just saw your doppelganger. He's like, you got out of the truck that only you drive. Harbaugh going to be coaching this year, question mark? It's PFU's year. He's, 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 he just he literally just texted me as at 1240-1242. And I'm like, you were just, like, as I saw that text, you were just going over how PSU's offense just didn't even show up, though. Like, they got, you know, it was, they got intimidated, let's just say. So it's just mean, interesting. Yeah, there's no other way around it. Against Ohio State, their biggest competition of the season, and obviously Ohio State's a good program. Obviously they're a good team. But I think that Michigan's defense is even better than Ohio State's defense, and I don't doubt that for a second. And Drew Aller has the worst game of his career. Well, I this might be his first season, but he had the worst game of the season against Ohio State, and that's the game that they needed to play in. And he didn't show up. They put up 12 points. I don't know if they scored a touchdown in that entire game. They might have scored a touchdown and tried to go for two. I don't actually recall, but 12 points. That's that's not a good performance. And Michigan's no. defense is going to do the exact same thing to them at home. They are going to smother the Penn State offense. And, yeah, okay, you put up 63 points against Massachusetts. Like, I'm not reading into that. Michigan has done that before. Michigan did that. You know, what did we put up? What you was called that, it out. That game no, yo, like, dude, you, you called it out. You're like, dude, we used to blow teams out and then get blown out by Ohio State. That's exactly what I was going to say. What did we do against Rutgers that one season? Did we score, what was it, 78 or 81 to 3, something like that against Rutgers? Like, fucking demolished them. And we had maybe our worst loss ever against Ohio State. We let up like 56 points or something, you know, and our offense didn't do anything. Like, it, it doesn't mean anything when you put up gaudy numbers against offenses, uh, against defenses that are no names. And that's what we've been that's, – that's where the strength of schedule argument comes in against Michigan. But it's not like, it's not like we've just been blowing teams out no, we have been executing our game plan, and our game plan is not to score 100 points. We are not banking on the fact that we're going to go in and score 50 points. We just happen to score 40 points consistently for five weeks in a row. But that's because, because we get the we ball back. Been, exactly, and we've been efficient with the ball. We don't drive down the field in six plays and drive 75 yards and score. We are driving the ball down the field, 10-plus play drives consistently all the time and methodically marching down the field. We are not looking for big plays. We don't need big plays to sustain drives. We don't need explosive plays to get us back in the game. We are controlling the game from, from the snap, from the first snap of the game. You know, and I and I think that you really can't 
you can't overemphasize that point that we are we are in total control and we are we are scoring it really is at will even though again we're not putting up 63 points like Penn State has done actually twice this season we're not doing that but we are still scoring at will when we get the ball we are extremely efficient with it we get so many touchdowns on drives and we don't have to settle for field goals because we just keep going you know like the lions forward down the field that's all we're doing right now and we 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 keep going we keep going and we put the ball in the end zone and when you have the defense to back that up that's it really is the definition of suffocating suffocating defense and then the offense bleeds your defense and your defense only gets more tired and more tired throughout the game and again going back to our point with the D line not taking over 30 snaps a game like we have dudes that are just changing in and out play in and play out and we are we're fresh we've got fresh legs we've got fresh bodies anywhere and everywhere we need them everybody on this team can play everybody is ready to play and that's that's how we're going to beat teams by consistency and and consistency too even talking about fucking field goal not field goals up penalties like we are so it it is it's almost incredible how few penalties we have yeah. taken this season especially yeah. going back to like the Don Brown defense when our defense was you know the number one defense in America for two three years in a row we were incredible on defense but we took so many penalties because we played so physically but now we still play with almost the same level of physicality but we don't take any penalties and i think it might have been that's our only brother. penalty that's, of the that's game brother, give it, back. it it might have been our only penalty of the game against purdue and it was like i don't even remember what it was but blake Corum got a penalty and it's what? like yeah it, because it, I, I, I forget even what it was. It was because it was some kind of block that he threw, and I forget what they threw the flag on. But this dude literally tried to jump. Oh, it was a holding penalty. It was a holding penalty against Blake Corum. This dude tried to jump over Blake Corum. And and Blake Corum, because he went low initially. That's why the dude tried to block him or tried to jump over him. And then Blake Corum, you know, stood up. And he flipped him, essentially. He just flipped Good. this dude over him. And it's like, Good. Blake Corm gets a holding call in there? Like, it, it was the total opposite because the guy was holding Blake Corm. <laughs> he was flipping over him, going to the ground, and he pulled Blake Corm down. But the referee just saw, oh, this guy's falling to the ground. It must have been Blake Corm's fault because he's the, def- or because he's the one uh, running the blocking team. It's like, no, this dude literally tried to jump in. And Blake Corn flipped them. Like, it wasn't a penalty at all. It was blatant that Blake Corn was not at fault. And nobody could believe it. Like, this was not a fucking penalty. And it's like, again, you know, Michigan is so disciplined in in all facets, in offense, defense, and, you know, taking penalties. We, we, we are efficient Top offensively. Top we are efficient defensively. And we don't give up extra yards. A lot of times, turnovers – kill you we don't turn the ball over turnovers change the game sometimes you need a turnover or two to change the game and we just don't give them up jj mccarthy had three interceptions one game that was it 
That's the only time we've given up turnovers throughout the entire season. And we don't give up penalties. We have to be, if not the least penalized team in the nation, top top three, maybe top five least penalized teams in the nation. Like the discipline is just, it's something that I don't remember ever seeing. I don't remember ever seeing a team that gets fewer penalties than our squad does this year. And that that is something that we don't normally talk about. And I don't think anybody normally talks about, but that is actually huge to not take penalties, to not give teams first downs when they haven't earned a first down, to not give teams second chances when they haven't earned a second chance. Don't hurt yourself. And and we, Michigan does not hurt themselves in those ways. Dude, I got to tell you, we we haven't. And this whole time, I've been texting that dude, and he's talking about Penn State, and he brought up Jimmy allegations. Bro, I got to tell you, I'm so done with this fucking Jimmy allegation shit. That's this the only That's what they're going to be talking about at Penn State. He's already talking about it. They're, they already have a lost season. That's all they have. That's what I'm saying. They brought up exactly. this story so that Penn State would stay involved in the whole debate because they think that Michigan's going to get suspended or whatever. And even if Jimmy gets suspended, we already saw what the kid does, and he's not. He's not. He. It doesn't even make – I. it's just like – it's so annoying, and that's why I need a, we, we all need to look to the future as fans with this. But based off of what you just said about how consistently disciplined our team on both sides of the ball – including special teams, which is the trifecta, is like, I, although that is actually something that happened in the Purdue game that was not that great. I can't not bring that up either, I guess, now that I said that. What do you mean? 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 Like when it like kind of took a weird bounce and it bounced off of uh, Purdue punted it and it's like, oh, you're off a Michigan player. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of screwed up. But again, you can't you can't count on that. The dude was out there blocking. His back totally turned. Like you can't you can't plan to. I didn't really want to highlight that. I'm just saying I wanted to highlight. Yeah. I wanted to highlight. Yeah. I wanted to highlight what you're saying about the discipline of the team and the fact that like Penn State fans, this dude is a diehard fucking Penn State fan, and that's why it's just funny. That's why I'm bringing this up because he literally texted me out of the blue while we're doing this. And, like, honestly, like, this is what they have to grab on. He used to give me so much shit for Michigan when I was working in Denver, bro. So much shit. Because we were still not that great. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, fuck you. Go blue. You know what I'm saying? Fuck off. But at at the end of the day, they were finishing better than we were finishing a lot of those seasons, you know? But either way, it was just like, all right, well, now that the tides have turned, I never – went after, like, allegations, except for the child toucher thing. So, sorry. But, uh, that wasn't just sports fans at that point. You know, let's be real. The allegations that you're talking about right now are still allegations. I'm glad I texted him. And at this point, like, I never really called you off for that kind of shit anyway. It was always, like, a laughing thing. I think he's still joking with me, but at the same point, like, I know that at he wouldn't say something like that unless it's the only thing he's thinking about because he's always talked about Saquon Barkley because those are those Saquon Barkley years. And, yeah, 
You actually mm-hmm. had real shit to like stand on at that point. Now you're grabbing an allegation. Seems scared. Seems terrified actually. I, and it, I think know, that is that is the point right there. Is that that's the only knock against Michigan. The the only the the two things that you can say is oh they haven't played anybody yet. Okay, whatever. But look up and down the stat sheet. They have Michigan has been dominating teams left, right, and center. Even though they haven't played anybody, they haven't choked against anybody. Everybody else has played some squeakers against non-opponents, teams that they should be beating handily, and they've played they've they've played down to their opponents. Every single team in the nation has done that except Michigan. The only other thing that anybody can say is, oh, look at these allegations. Oh, sign stealing, and that's why Michigan's good. Like, yeah, you are grasping at straws because even if there is some credence to this, they they have shown week in and week out that their team is so deep in every aspect. They There's nothing they don't do well. And again, this has been out there for weeks now. And if teams have been hearing about this for weeks now, every team since, you know, whatever game it was, definitely before the Michigan State game, has had the opportunity to change their signs, to change their game plans against Michigan, and it hasn't worked. You know, we put out put up a goose egg against Michigan well, State. It's not just it's not that like deep. All those players have a different playing style. So like your 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 offensive or defensive lineman can't get a hang of how this line works. It's yeah. not just about the the stamina aspect either. And I'm just thinking about it as you said that, because I just started really thinking about that. And you're like continually pounding that point home. And I, I'm, I appreciate it. But I just started thinking about it. Cause I just started thinking about the same thing. Oh, yeah, we're big and we have a lot of people, but it's also the way that they even attack the offensive line. The offensive line defends you. It's, it's all different. If you can swap people out like that, it's uh, the offensive line doesn't change as much as like that. So it's not so much that way, but our defensive line, four different people could be coming at you the next play. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> like, that's actually crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. Like, four separate motherfuckers that are just as big. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Which one does he do? Does he like to swim? Does he like just, like, headbutt me? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there's nobody on our D-line that you don't have to be worried about. Like, okay, we'll just right. double-team this guy. Because you know we can we can make do blocking everybody else. No, every single body on that D line is able to penetrate the line and able to get after the quarterback and also able to break up a run. You know we are our defensive line. Our, I'm more I'm more hype about our defensive line than our offensive line this season, which is almost kind of crazy, seeing as we are the back-to-back winners of whatever that award is for best offensive line. <laughs> We gotta make a t shirt. We gotta yeah. say like best offensive line back to back for whatever the award is. I don't I can't yeah, remember it. it. I don't know who the fuck Joe Moore award. Is. is that what it is? Joe Moore? I don't fucking know. But yeah, whatever that is. We want it. In Ann Arbor yeah. it should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and all right. I think I can end with a few things. It's we beat Purdue. Ohio State is for some reason 
fucking number one, which honestly, I could talk all night about that, but it, it again, I don't know if I said this for sure as blatantly, but like for real, if we beat, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> I coughed. If when we beat Penn State in uh, whatever they call their, I think it's state, we had this last week. Happy I can't no, I don't think it's. When we beat them there, if Ohio State even wins and they're still ranked number one, everything that we're talking about with this whole, like, making sure fans are engaged is true with the rankings. They know who's going to go. It's like, just keep winning. And it's like, because if, like, if it ends up that we beat Penn State and Ohio State wins and then we beat Penn or Ohio State, Ohio State shouldn't even really even be in, especially with what you told me about with Florida State, Georgia, and then you have um, – there's another 9-0. There's five 9-0 teams. And the way they're trying to get the Pac-12 into it, and I'm pretty sure it's a Pac-12 team, I feel like they would actually leave Ohio State out for real. Now that's a hot take because I I feel like they I I feel like they don't want to leave Ohio State out. They never want to leave Ohio State out, and that's why they're consistent. It's Washington though. And it's Washington. I know that would, be, that's why that would last, be from every part. Last but... season when Michigan put Ohio State to bed, we buried Ohio State, and they still <laughs> made it. I know. That is so annoying. But that's why I was saying that I agree with, like, how the history should matter, but it still does, even from the BCS area, because that's really the only reason why they would have. And because they've just been one of the best teams in the last 20 years. So I get it, but, like, I again, I'm going to highlight that point that I made earlier, is that I thought that's the whole point of the CFP is that if you're un, if you're not undefeated, and there's four other undefeated teams that are ranked that high. You're not in. Like that was supposed to be the whole point of the the playoff system and stuff like that. Like yeah. you're not supposed. You can't. You can't be ranked higher than an undefeated team in the system. That's the whole point of the system. Yeah. But that's not. That's not what's happening. And that shit is annoying as fuck because literally that's what's happening all the time now. You have eleven and one teams going to the fucking CFP. It's like how? There's ten other undefeated teams. How about you just don't rank them that high then? Like, you you, you can't have. I don't know. It, it's a, it's so weird. It's just like I don't know. You don't, don't allow some team that you don't want to actually see go to the top ten be ranked that high if they don't deserve it. Because guess what? If they go undefeated, that's what is going to happen. So that's what I thought the CFP system was going to bring is that you actually rank them accordingly to like what their actual talent is, taking out all the history, like literally looking at their team and being like, all right, on average, it's going to be this. And like, honestly, that suggestion of the four to five game, like um, delay of the first rankings would actually solve that in a lot of ways. I think it would. I think that is, that's, that's a fantastic idea. I really do believe that, that you can't, you can't be ranking teams 
out of the gate just based on gut feeling because nobody knows. Nobody really knows. You know, you can all you're all you're basing these things on is program strength and how good your program has been in the past versus how many good recruits you think they got. And that's what that's what you're basing it off of. But that's all just that's all a guesstimate. It really is. It's just it's a guessing game at that point. And yeah, you can base your guesses on some data and you can make some claims, but but it's all subject to interpretation. And the only way you figure these things out is by watching the actual games. And you can't just watch one game to say, oh, this is the best team in the nation. You can't just watch two games and say, oh, this is the best team in the nation. There has to be at least a handful of games before you can say, yes, this team consistently performs. This team has some depth to them. This team has done multiple different things besides just beat up on weak opponents and do one thing like Michigan in the past. Oh, all they've done is run the ball and they run the ball really well and therefore they're great. Like, no, we've done it all this season. We've, we've shown that we can run. We've shown that we can pass. We've shown that we can play good defense. And that's what you need to prove before you get ranked. And again, when you play somebody that is, oh, quote unquote, also ranked early on in the season, like we yeah. don't really know. We don't know if right. they're a good team or not because they if haven't. You're playing we ranked, haven't seen yeah. enough tape on them. Yeah, and then you've got to reassess how you feel about the schedule, though, because so Ohio State played a 22 AP poll team, technically, right now at this point in the season, because of your bullshit rankings this is what they're actually at, and honestly, they probably should be out of the top 25. So you have Notre Dame. Because they're good losses, don't you know? They're good. <laughs> they're good losses. Excellent but losses. Excellent losses. You know, Notre Dame's the best at excellent losses. They have, they have just a knack for excellent, excellent losses. <laughs> but, look, look, uh, at, look at fucking Colorado. Colorado, oh, you know, they, they were the fucking story of the season. Coming into the season. Yes, unranked, coming into the season. And then, like you were saying earlier about teams getting historically ranked, you know, and TCU being in the college football playoff national championship game, finishing number two. They come out of the gate ranked at 17. And Colorado beats them at home. And Colorado wins four straight games. And what have they done since? They lost four straight games. Like Colorado is the definition of hype. Everybody wanted them to be hyped up because they wanted to see Deion Sanders get rid of 80 guys on the squad, bring in 80 new guys into the squad, and say, wow, Look at what you can do in this new era of college football. And it looked great for the first four games. And then when they started playing some real teams, they have gotten blown out. They have not <laughs> looked good. Even against Colorado State, I'm pretty sure they won against Colorado State, but wasn't that like, you know, the the overtime, double, triple overtime, whatever it was? Like, yeah. I was like, watching that Colorado live. I was watching that live. I was trashing. I was trashing fucking show. What's the name? Showtime, big time, whatever. Uh, on the sidelines, because I was telling everyone, I was like sideline antics. I got into like three fights that week, verbally, not physically. Um, 
about, like, no, you can't tell me I'm wrong about the sideline antics shit. Had to go through five to six years of it with the Harbaugh pick. Like, you know, uh, we've talked about this multiple yeah. times on the show. 100%. And the hype videos and the Jordan brand drop. And, you know, honestly, I was a little bit iffy with the buffs on the uh, sideline when you get an interception or whatever. I was like, oh, I don't really like that, to be honest. But I guess you got to give a, a horse a carrot every once in a while, you know. So, I guess. I don't really even like that, to be honest. But if that's what they want to do, if that's whatever, if that's how they're getting I'm, their uh, – I'm on the same page. I'm not really a huge fan, but it seems like everybody's doing it nowadays. Yeah, and if – Exactly. That's what you need to recruit. That's what that's what you, need. Want. you need to get that Instagram story. Yeah. yeah. You need to get that shit. Fine, I guess. If that's what we got to do, fine. But uh, not really. <laughs> but I feel like at the same time, Michigan's been earning them. They're not just. They're not just. Well, taking what they're yeah, getting you literally have. You have to get them. like an. Yeah, you have to actually get like an interception, like a turnover. Like, and we've got we've got. Is it only two pick sixes, or do we have three or four pick sixes on the season? Like, bro, yeah, so many turnovers. Those kids want to wear the buffs. They want the buffs. They need the. Oh my gosh! It's just like, I, hey, you know what? Harbaugh is obviously adaptive. The kids adapt Obviously. to the current situation at hand, and he he knows how he knows how to he knows how to coach a team, man. He has he has all of his kids that offense coordinator, defense coordinator, his son can all coach his team right now. He he's trying to work yeah. remote. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good point. That is an excellent point. Jimmy is taking COVID restrictions to a new level. He is working from home. He is, he is working appropriately, as they like to say. He is working he appropriately. He he delegates appropriately. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to get yeah, – on that note, I, I really don't have too much else to say besides just yeah. a little back and forth banter about it. But I th- I think I think, you know, going into Penn State, I think Penn State's gonna get exposed again, kinda like they were against Ohio State to show that, you know, they're they can beat up on the little teams like everybody expects, but but when it when push comes to shove and they play some big boys you know, I think they're going to be a little lost out there. I don't think they're going to show up, even even from their home crowd. It's a noon kickoff. That we we talked about this before. It's not the same as a 7:30 kickoff against against Penn State in I believe Happy Valley is what they call it nowadays. Um, it's it's not the same environment. It's going to be a noon kickoff. Michigan's going to be ready to play, and I I think they're going to play some Smash Mouth football. I think they are going to. <laughs> they're gonna hit. They're gonna. They're gonna hit Penn State, and Penn State's not gonna know how to react to it. Yeah, I think this is the first time all season we say we see Jimmy turn the stove from two to high. <laughs> he I might mean, not dude, need to go high. He might need to go about a seven or an eight. Maybe even a six. 
I'm just, just saying. Just above, I think we're gonna. Just I, above I think, medium. I think, <laughs> I think Jimmy might just turn it up for high, just to kind of test the engine out. You know, you can't just own a Ferrari and never rever. You know, you got. <laughs> I would not I be disinclined to see that. I would. I would absolutely right. love if Michigan <laughs> turns up the throttle and buries Penn State because again, yeah. I think like, that if they sixty nothing, yeah. Just let them know. Like, we've been hiding, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, because I do th- – I think if they if if they bury Penn State, I do think there's a legitimate argument to make that Michigan should be ranked against Ohio State. If we dominate Penn State at Penn at State. Home. At home. Yeah. And, and Ohio State. Exactly, because then we have a win – that clearly is better than Ohio State's win against the same opponent at, at home, that opponent at home. instead of at being home. at home. Yes. Then we can say and this is clearly in a, they play a better Ann Arbor win. this year, motherfucker. They have to play yeah. in a, a, a squares. Dude, yeah. you are fucked. I have never been so confident, and I'm not even going to call it. I'm just saying the confidence level of behind the team right now to do this, Properly against Ohio State in Ann Arbor has never been this high for a good reason. It's not just like, we're obviously going to beat Ohio State, though, because I'm a Michigan fan. I'm saying, like, legitimately, because of the depth, because of how we're going to blow out Penn State, it might not be 60-0. But I think it's going to be a controlled win. I, I gotta say, Again, that, that kid, he texted me again, and he's like, well, you know, this or that. And I'm like, well, it's a noon game. Because you brought that up. I think it was last week. Yeah. It's at noon. Yeah. It's not night. It's not as intimidating. It is a hostile environment, but like, bro, you do lose a lot of that intimidation factor being during the day there. And it's not going to be. Smaller. Michigan's always had to do that, so we already know what intense is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I I don't feel as worried about Ohio State as Penn State. And that's saying something because I think we're going to handle Penn State. I think so too, and I think I think the pretty much the easiest take all season is this is this is the litmus test for Michigan football this season. Yeah, and I think everybody knows it, and it's again the easiest take you can have all season that we will see how good Michigan is with this game. Yep, and I think on that note, I am down to put exactly my opinion on the same thought, is we need to just have this be our test, really make sure that we can be compared against these other teams' harder schedules, and uh, prove that we do the same thing to them as we did to Purdue, Nebraska, name name a team. You know, I, I said Purdue on a reason because guess what? It was still a convincing win, to be honest. More convincing than most wins of Georgia and Ohio State this year, including the one against Penn State, but um, or Georgia against um, who they play today. Come again? What was that question? Who did Georgia play today? Missouri. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. 
they've really beat Missouri. Like we've been beating all of our teams better than their best beats almost, not even our best wins. Like yeah. the shout out the shout out against Michigan State, I believe, is the best win besides I think LSU. And Penn State against UMass, like Yeah. That's our in state rival. <laughs> oh wait. Right. Uh yeah, no. I'm again not being as humble as the beginning of the season because you still gotta have confidence. So I'm confident. So I'll leave it at that. Well, all I gotta say, as um, as the great Daniel Ricardo would say, you gotta lick the stamp and send it. <laughs> the Danny Ricky, uh, the reference. Uh, all right, I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Go blue. Go blue, baby.